In many countries in the Global South, partnerships and collaborations are crucial to moving forward projects of various kinds. A network based at the University of Colorado Boulder has facilitated the creation of statistics and data science collaboration labs in 10 countries. The LISA 2020 Global Network is the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me, as always, is regular panelist John Baylor, Emeritus Professor of Statistics at Miami University. We have two guests joining the show today. Eric Vance is an Associate Professor of Applied Mathematics at the University of Colorado Boulder and Director of LISA, the Laboratory for Interdisciplinary Statistical Analysis, where he trains statisticians and data scientists to move between theory and practice. He's the Global Director of the LISA 2020 Network, a network of more than 30 statistics and data science collaboration labs in 10 countries in Africa, South Asia, and Brazil. He's an elected member of the International Statistical Institute and a fellow of the American Statistical Association. Alawale Awe is an elected member of the International Statistical Institute, a fellow of the African Scientific Institute, and he's an affiliate member of the African Academy of Sciences. He's the first LISA fellow and presently the global vice president of engagement and public relations in the LISA 2020 Global Network. His research interests include computational statistics, machine learning, and statistics education. The two are joining us today to talk about the LISA 2020 Global Network. Thank you both for joining us this afternoon. Great to be here. It's it's a delight to have you both joining us. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, You know, during during this time of year, I was was saying we're going to have the, this is the World Cup of statistical collaboration (laughs) that's going to be the focus of our discussions today. And, And I promise you, we will not go to penalty kicks. Nor will we need extra time. We're we're going to be able to do this in the the time we have allotted. Uh, I, you know, I would I, I'd love for you to just just start with with helping kind of def- define orientation for us. And in particular, I think it would be interesting to to hear your take on the idea of statistical collaboration versus statistical consulting. Sure. So I think what we do, what we aspire to, is collaboration, where we are team members on a research project or on a project to answer a policy question or make a business decision. And so um, I think the distinction between consulting and collaboration, you know, everybody has their own definition. Just personally, I think that the two main differences are that in collaboration, you're a team member, whereas consulting, maybe you're, you're an outsider. And then the second, and maybe more important for me, is the focus of the work. So I think when we are collaborating, our focus is on solving the research problem or making a business or policy decision. Whereas in consulting, maybe our focus is more on the statistics and the technical aspects. So, so let me do a quick follow-up to that, and and maybe uh, Olawale, you might be able to to share an example of some of the collaboration that you've been involved with. Yeah, thank you very much, John. Um, I, when I started as a faculty member, I saw that a lot of uh, people were just doing their own thing, things in their own ways. And then way back, people have been uh, uh, researchers in my university at that time. They have been contacting me, consulting me. And uh, I 
that time, at that time, it wasn't uh, really a collaboration, like Eric said. It was just consulting, just dump their data sets at your table. And uh, we, we, I found out that this is not the right way things should be done. And uh, it wasn't until I met Eric and uh, we, I traveled to the U.S. and uh, I began to understand what collaboration really meant. So when I came back, when I traveled to the U.S. to be trained, by uh, Eric in the, in the, at Lisa, I came back and then I one of the first collaboration uh, projects I worked on in Nigeria was a microbiologist that came uh, wanted to know what um, affected uh, the content, the, the 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 quality of paints, you know, the different kind of uh, uh, paint qualities. And then he wanted to, he applied, she subjected the paints to different uh, treatments like environmental factors. And uh, she had uh, on that uh, uh, experiment, she applied some chemicals to the paint and then she tested over time, you know, to be able to know what really affects the quality of paints in this, uh, according to different environments. So she brought that project and uh, I was able to help her analyze the data set. She became part of the team. We became team members together. And then the project tried to test on the paint. But then uh, she was very happy and we were able to produce three uh, major uh, publications from that very project. And we have been in touch till now. I'm wondering how uh, the LISA 2020 Global Network uh, got started. What was the sort of impetus for this um, focus on these collaborative labs? So the impetus is that I wanted to provide an international experience for my graduate students. So before I went to graduate school, I was I had the fortune of being able to travel around the world. I traveled around the world three times for five years and visited 67 countries and had an excellent time and experience traveling internationally. And so I wanted to provide opportunities for my own graduate students to travel abroad. I also wanted to um, really expand this idea of the Statistical Collaboration Laboratory where students got great experience working on projects and then domain experts got better research results or better decisions because they were able to collaborate with statisticians. And so the first thing I tried was to uh, just have some exchanges between graduate students from different labs, you know, with um, our lab and in different countries. And I told the graduate students, if you want to go somewhere, find a lab, you know, find the exchange, we'll make it work. They weren't able to find any labs outside the U.S. and Canada that actually used graduate students to work on projects, to collaborate mm -hmm. on, on various projects. And so those two ideas were combined with a third idea of actually building statistics and data science capacity in developing countries based on some international projects I had worked on and the a recognition that the local statistician who understands the local context of a problem is like the best kind of statistician. And so mm -hmm. all three of those combined, you know, 
in, uh, in 2012 brought me to the idea of creating a global network of statistical collaboration laboratories. Yeah, congratulations on kind of this the the work that's been done. I you know we see that it's expanded to ten countries and and thirty plus plus labs that have have emerged from this this effort. I, I was curious if you could talk about some of the impacts that that Lisa has had at so, in some of these institutions, and uh, maybe Olawale, you would like to to kind of start with this as kind of the first person to have gone through kind of this initial impact. And then maybe we could follow with some, some other programs that you would like to highlight. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Lisa, 2020 has really had a lot of impact on uh, uh, in statistical education in developing countries. One of the impacts I can say is uh, being able to move from theory to practice. At the initial stage, when I came on board, when I started as a faculty member, we could see that a lot of people were doing uh, just purely theory, no consulting, no collaboration uh, ethics. But when this 2020 came on board, we began to really know how to really do collaboration, how to practice the other side of statistics, that is the practical aspects. And a lot of people are happy for that. And uh, it has also improved collaboration with domain experts. Like I just mentioned in my last answer, collaboration, we were able to publish in high-impact journal than what individuals would have been able to do without these stats labs. So in a lot of all these 35-plus institutions, you can see that through the instrumentality of LISA, the research arm, has been boosted, the research quality has been boosted, and we have more publications in high-impact journals because uh, they are able to meet with the, uh, statisticians, professional statisticians in, the, in this laboratory spread across uh, the world. And uh, through that, people begin to appreciate statistics more. And that's one other major impact. I can keep on counting. Another one is providing critical research infrastructure to the institutions. Like I said before, people just contacted statisticians on their own, not in a professional way, or perhaps they do it themselves. But now they have a place to go, especially in developing countries, you know, so they can have, they can be sure that their work will benefit from expertise of statisticians in the laboratories. Then we'll be able to transform help also in further transforming evidence into action. And uh, of course, Lisa 2020 contributes to development in all these countries because the statisticians that have been trained in this lab, mentored from Colorado, are able to help others. It has ripple effects. You know, unlike before, when they would just give suboptimal results, but now they have mentors from the U.S., you know, sometimes when they cannot handle those projects, they can write, they can uh, collaborate or commune with the community, the LISA community, and then are able to solve the problem together uh, in any part of the world. And then through that, we are helping to solve uh, policy uh, problems, societal problems 
through statistics and data science. So there are so many impacts. Other include mentoring young ones, students. Many of the students are passed through LISA, especially in these developing countries. They've gotten jobs after graduation, and they testify that were it not for LISA, they wouldn't have been able to get those jobs. And so it's really, really a breakthrough, a major breakthrough in the developing world in terms of statistics education. Yeah, so one example of an impact is on the people, on the statisticians who work in the labs. There was a student at the University of Ibadan Laboratory for Interdisciplinary Statistical Analysis, UI-LISA, who you know, worked on several projects and then graduated. And he was one of more than 1,000 applicants for a government statistics position in Nigerian federal government. And there was one position open, more than 1,000 applicants, and he got the job because of his experience transforming data into action, making data into useful and actionable decisions. And that was the experience that he got at the UI Lisa lab that allowed him to be the one of more than a thousand applicants to get the job. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking about the Lisa 2020 Global Network with Eric Vance and Alawale Awe. I wonder, you know, there's so much discussion in sort of development communities in various fields about the asymmetry that sometimes appears in these projects, right, where some an expert from outside will come in and try to work to help a community, and it's not always or has not always been sort of as community focused as it might be or informed. And I wonder, given the work that you've been doing and the success that the Lisa 2020 Networks had, what have you learned from this experience about how to sort of forge a successful collaboration um, when you are essentially, you know, in some ways coming in from outside to sort of work with people in these communities? So the Lisa 2020 Network really was founded on the idea that To do good statistical work, you have to understand the context of the problem. And so if there's an American who's working on analyzing data from, uh, let's say, Nigeria, the the American statistician might have the technical skills but lacks the context. And so from the very beginning, we decided that we wanted to identify the local talent in statistics and then help amplify that to build the capacity of the local statisticians to collaborate on research projects and to create business and policy decisions. And so we don't have that issue where we have a foreigner coming in mm-hmm. to a local uh, local community and working on a, on a project. Instead, it's a local statistician working with the local domain experts and stakeholders to have a local solution to whatever challenge it is they're facing. You know, I, I, I really love the idea of uh, statistical capacity building as being kind of a core mission. And many professional organizations have that as one of their strategic priorities, including I, ISI that you both have, have mentioned as part of your, uh, your connection to the, the statistical community. Uh, so so the, the question is, all right, so how do you develop these statistical collaborators. What are some of the what are some of the things that that have to happen to be successful in growing the capacity to address these teamed collaborative projects? Yeah, we ensure that 
these labs, you know, most of the labs, they operate under three tenants. Number one, they have regular short courses. So statisticians in the labs or in the local institutions are being trained locally through the instrumentality of LISA, wherever LISA is. You know, they're trained and ensure continuous, regular uh, short courses, seminars, short courses, educational uh, workshops to the uh, overall academic community in the respective institutions. And then also, apart from that, there are some graduate students that have to go through LISA before they graduate. You know, they go to LISA to learn how to collaborate, how to work on projects, and how to attain to domain experts. They learn both the technical and the non-technical aspects of statistics and data science. And so, these efforts to ensure that people are being continuously developed in order to become better by the time they uh, graduate or they are able to stand on their own. Eric may want to add to that. And so I would say that the first thing is to recognize that collaboration is important and is a skill that can be learned. And so I think that's part of an attitude of collaboration. And so that's really the, the first thing is that we, we find the technically skilled statisticians who then also have a, a passion for making statistics more useful in society and to use statistics to um, help development. And then we equip them with the model of a stat lab. So as Olawale mentioned, there are three missions of every LISA 2020 stat lab. The first is a focus on training students. So to use projects that come into the stat lab as opportunities to train students. And the students learn both more technical skills that they have to implement on projects. They also learn collaboration skills. You know, the second is to serve as research infrastructure for their university, for their community. Um, so to provide the services of collaboration, to work on teams, to enable and accelerate research and make business and policy decisions based on data. And then the third is to teach short courses and workshops to build up statistics capacity you know, outside of the lab, widely in the university or throughout the community. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious if, if you've seen any increase in the number of students studying statistics at institutions that have, have started uh, a LISA lab. We have seen a lot. And that's part of the impact of LISA, LISA 2020. And we, in fact, a lot of students now apply to those institutions just because there is a lab there, a LISA lab there in that institution. So that's, I think, is awesome. And to summarize, the things that are being done in those labs, I target CCC, uh, courses, collaboration, and consulting. Courses, collaboration, and consulting. Those are the three major tenets or three major activities that are being done in those laboratories. So, and 
a lot of students are interested. A lot of them want to go to the institutions where the uh, laboratories are in order to, to enroll so that they can gain this experience because back in, uh, over, over time, we've suffered from just learning theory without practice. And I remember when I came back, I had to organize a workshop just about 10 years ago when I taught out nationally. And at that time, a lot, a good number of graduate students did not know what R was. They will be asking, is it letter R or is it a software or what is that? I learned it in the U.S. myself through Eric and I came back and began to train a lot of people. And right now, a lot of students can really, really work with R and other stuff, software like Python, SQL, uh, uh, science, and what have you. And I was inspired to go into statistics graduate school so that I could work on lots of different types of projects because statistics is you know, applicable everywhere. And so, you know, with the stat labs, we have lots of projects coming in, you know, lots of different, different applications of statistics. And, you know, just personally, that's what drives me about statistics is being able to solve different types of problems to help people make data-driven decisions. And, you know, I don't think I'm alone. I think that also is attractive for many other students. They want to contribute to the world using their technical skills and studying statistics and working in the stat lab is a great way to do that. Yeah, well, and, I, and you said earlier the idea that collaboration is a skill that can be learned. So there's still hope for uh, Rosemary and I to, <laughs> to figure out how to work together. Is that what you're saying? You know, no. <laughs> you're a lost cause. I'm a, uh, well, that's yeah, maybe well known. Uh, you know, one thing that I, I as you were talking about this, I, there's a lot of history of teaching technical subjects. You know, teaching kind of formal analysis. There, there are often these kinds of uh, data practicum consulting classes that have existed. Uh, one thing that I, I, I think that I've seen in what you, stuff that you've written and, and work that you've done has been really nurturing this aspect of collaboration. Some have called these these skills career success factors in some some contexts. Others have called them soft skills. I think that's that can be a pejorative. I don't I don't like that. I I really do think of them as what you need to really be impactful in in work. So so you know, can you just just give us a some a short reflection on some of the ways that you help build some of these these complementary skills to nurture collaboration to go along with the technical training people have had? Sure. So I've developed a framework called the Asker framework. It has five components: attitude, structure, content, communication, and relationship. And so these are five aspects of collaboration, and they, uh, within each of them, we can drill down and learn, uh, you know, identify skills that are necessary and then learn those skills. So, you know, just briefly, for attitude, just the attitude that I am here as a statistician to help this domain expert advance their research, you know, to publish a paper, to make a discovery or to make a data-driven decision. And that I have you know, lots to bring to the table and I have lots to learn as well. I can learn more about technical skills and I can learn more about the domain. So some, like, those are some attitudes that are really helpful for collaboration. For structure, 
we've we've used Doug Zahn's power process. We call it the power structure, which helps us structure a meeting. It's prepare for the meeting, open up the meeting certain ways, do the work, end the meeting, and then reflect on how well that worked. So that's power. And that's been really helpful to kind of give this a framework so that we can, after we practice the framework, we can release our brain to think about the hard things, which are the domain problem and the statistics, not structuring a meeting. And then there's the content of a, of a collaboration and communication. One of the things about communication that we've developed is how to ask great questions, how to explain statistics uh, well to non-statisticians. And then finally, the relationship aspect of a collaboration is very important, and it comes naturally to some people and not so naturally to other people. So for me, I usually think about the task of the project and not about the relationship. Um, but because of the ASKER framework, I realize that, that actually developing a strong relationship with the domain expert is a goal of the collaboration. And so I focus on that. Building that stronger relationship helps me do better statistics and accomplish the task better. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. Eric and Alawale, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter at Stats and Stories, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.